Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porry, and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Hello, Steve. How are you? I am um, I, I'm as well as can be expected. What are we uh, on now? I day hope... 21, 20, about 20, 20, day 24, something like that, of lockdown Britain? Is that all? The new normal? It seems like a lot longer, doesn't it? Uh, um, yes, it does, but, rather. Uh, it does, but... Um, but you know we're hang- we're all hanging in there. I hope you're you're hanging in wherever wherever you are. Yes, uh, all our best this. wishes sent out to you guys. Of course, um, it's been another uh, busy week, and of course we will get to the news. Now I do need to remind you, of course, that if you in normal times a lot of you I know would come here and here only for your news. Um, I, I would suggest watching the coronavirus press conferences at at 5pm every day, and uh, checking in maybe the Today programme, something like that, and certainly checking with the New European Online, because there's quite a lot of news going on. And yes, there's you, a lot of news, yeah. You do need to be on top of it somewhat. Um, I miss the news that if you had had the coronavirus and recovered, you, you could just go off to checkers <laughs> with your girlfriend. That seems, that seems fair. Um, well, I don't know I, when that was announced. I imagine quite a lot of people will be um, yeah taking off to check us. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that. You could have a rave of of recovered coronavirus sufferers <laughs> at checkers. Reach for the lasers. Uh, yes, absolutely. What have you been? Um, what have you, have you? What have you been listening to and, and watching while we've been in lockdown? Before before we get to the news, and then of course crown another Brexiteer of the week. Oh, uh, I've been listening to I've listened to the new Thundercat album. All oh, right, yeah. uh, which is very good. I would I would like the tracks to go on for a little bit longer. Okay. Um, I I didn't I, I something that I thought I would not enjoy, and um, I didn't really enjoy the first the first few minutes of, um, but then I did enjoy was the. Um, uh, Jennifer Lopez uh, vehicle Hustlers, which I, did, I missed at the cinema, but I thought was very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and I'm just uh, I'm just uh, about to embark on Run. So next week we can talk about Run. Run. Okay. I've been watching. Um, I watched Uncut Gems, which is great. Isn't it's it? It's an incredible film, isn't it? Wow. It, you it do, is. You really do need. Who, who knew? You really do need to sit down after. After Uncut Gems, it is quite something. It was, I, I described it as like a like a violent, sweary, very long episode of Some Mothers Do Have Them. 
<laughs> I don't remember him going up on the church roof though. <laughs> no, there's, he doesn't. He doesn't go uh, roller skating and end up hanging off the back of a bus. But there, there is. Um, you, you're constantly going. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do, uh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic film. I strongly recommend. I've yeah, been, wonderful. Yeah, I've been watching. Um, well, you do need a good sit down afterwards, though, don't oh, you? God, blimey! I, t- I, I finished. It's, re- it's pretty relentless. Well, I finished watching it on Bank Holiday Monday at about eleven o'clock in the morning, and immediately went and poured myself a very large glass of wine. Um, it was uh, it was quite something. Um, that Good. had nothing to do with the film. It was just you know it was eleven o'clock. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. And I've been listening to. I tell you what, I did. I went through all the. Um, a friend of mine helped me actually. Went through the the Falls back catalogue, which is immense, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and picked out some it's of... missed, it must be said, but it is. I, love, I love most of it. It's, most it. of it's a hit for me. It is, it is, a, bit, it is a bit back and forth, isn't it? But I, 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 he, he helped me pick out, because he's, ma- he's a massive fan, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge, huge fall fan. And I think the main reason is just the, you know, the, it, it's almost impenetrable, where do you start sort of thing. Um, and I've tried to, even back as a teenager, tried to get into him and couldn't quite. But So I'm, I've been listening to... Uh, quite a lot of the Falls, more poppier tunes, I think. Good. Um, so that's been fun. Um, and, and, Good. And, and, and yeah, so we, we, we find our ways to get through. Have you done any online, like, Teams quizzes? Uh, yes, I've been, I was the participant in a quiz on Thursday, um, which is done by a guy called Marcus Berkman. It's called Quiz Night at the COVID Arms. And Marcus Berkman is, uh, well, he runs a pub quiz uh, in a pub called Highgate, which um, the name of which escapes me now. Um, it might be the Prince of Wales in Highgate. It's reasonably, reasonably famous. He used to take quizzes in um, the, I think it might have been the Independent when that was still a going uh, newspaper concern. Um, print, but it's a really good quiz. Uh, yeah, going print concern, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good quiz, and um, if you look up Quiz Night at the COVID Arms uh, or look up Marcus Bertman on Facebook, you can you too can join it if you like. Although it's getting a bit unwieldy, I think there were fifty-seven teams the other night. It's a and, it's a strange uh, new sort of um, fashionable thing to do, isn't it? I did two quizzes last week, and I am the quiz yeah, master in a quiz um, this weekend. Oh yeah, that's good. So there's going to be lots of written, them. Have you written the questions, or have you? No, I've, I've written all my own questions. Yeah, I've done all my own questions, good. and um, there were it, it, th- th- this one had some some older participants, shall we say? Um, okay. And when we did the beat the intros round, they 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 didn't get um, out of space by the prodigy. Um, no. They didn't get um, S Club. Did, did, <laughs> They did get S Club, yeah, yeah. So I, I need, I think I need to, I think target audience is what I've got to concentrate on as a quiz master. Yeah. Have you got a quiz for us this week, Steve? Have I got a what, sorry? A, a quiz. quiz? Yes, we're going to be doing a little quiz in a bit, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I've got five questions for you. Oh, brilliant, okay. Well, I look um, forward to that. Well, and there's much to discuss, isn't there? There is. Well, where, where should we start? Well, another thing I found out, I mean, I found out about this, this free week at Checkers that you get, but also, I've also found out that if you get a little piece of enamel with a safety pin stuck to the back of it and you put that on your lapel, you don't need to have any PPE. That's right. You can just, you can just go in there and, and you'll, be, you'll be perfectly safe, so that's fine. Well, so thanks, Matt Hancock, for that one. It's a real breakthrough, isn't it? 
And it's been it a, is a breakthrough. It's been a big week for Matt, and I think we'll get to that in a in a in a second, won't we? Um, and I've also learned that it's all right for Romanians to come into the country as long as they're picking crops and not living next to Nigel Farage. That's good. That's right. We're I think any time now we're expecting our first charter plane of about I think it's, is it about two hundred, maybe just shy of two hundred yeah. uh, Romanians who are coming. Now, what I will say, I've got a bit of an inside track on this. Um, because right, okay. the, there's six more planes on the way as well. Oh, there's more. There's more coming. There's more coming. Um, in if we just take the east of England, which obviously relies quite heavily on its seasonal fruit and veg pickers, um, they have actually employed 500 British pickers. Um, this one, right. one particular big, big firm whose name escapes me. Um, if they would like their name read out on the pod, they kind of course sponsor it, um, and um, they, they have employed 500 British pickers. Um, they had two and a half thousand applicants. So there is this land army thing, is a thing. The Brits are doing this, and it just I think it does tend to be sort of students and that kind of thing, which is fine. Um, yeah. But, but the problem they found is that they've got none of them are very experienced. So what they're going to actually ask the Romanians who are coming in to do is to train them. Train up our. That British is what they're going to be doing. Coming yeah, over yeah. here, training our fruit pickers. Imagine, imagine. Terrible people. Do you think um, that? Do you think after this and after the the comments that um, Boris Johnson made, of course, as he left hospital about the Portuguese nurse and the Spanish nurse, do you think? Yes. Do you think there is a slight wind of change and people might start to perhaps I don't know understand why we were part of a European community and maybe understand why. Um, well, closing all the doors all. might, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they will, you know, and, it, I mean, and it's worth thinking, isn't it? It's worth noting that, you know, okay, so doc, foreign doctors and, and, and EU nurses, people like, people like that will, you know, will be exempt under some of the, the new things that Pretty Patel has, has proposed and, um, and and those kind of people, trained people will be able to come here. But a lot of the people that have been, that were, some of the people that were praised by Boris Johnson and some of the people that are, are on the front line all the time are people like, the people who are cleaning our hospitals. And the, I think Boris Johnson praised the checkout staff, didn't he, at, at, um, at wherever, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, when he left. And, and they were... You know, and it's those kind of people. Um, two of the people who, who were who were, were were named were, you know, are in that category. The category of, of people who, you know, you won't be able to come in and do those jobs. So I think that is really important. I, th- I think it's a bit. I mean, there's lots of there's a big section of unemployed people, isn't there, who could pick fruit? Unemployed British people, and that is, I mean, however many MEPs the Brexit Party had. Who are currently yeah. unemployed now? Surely should, they should be down there, shouldn't they? Yeah, picking our strawberries Absolutely. and helping out, well, who leading was that, the way. Who was the chap who said of? Well, didn't he, wasn't there some report about unemployment in Scotland or something? And he said, "Get on your bike and ride to England that's and right, pick yeah. some fruit." Who was that? <laughs> yes, that's right. He, he wanted the Scots to come, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did. I mean, it's quite telling, wasn't it, that one of the Concordia. Said they had um, they Concordia recruit uh, they recruit fruit pickers That's right. and they they put out an advert and they were overwhelmed by they got thirty five thousand responses from British people 
Yeah. Um, saying, you know, our foreign fruit pickers, EU fruit pickers have all gone home. They, they can't come back in. And they got 35,000 responses. And then they said, when they actually explained to people what they'd have to do, only 7% of them said, actually, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like an interview. Yeah, because it's bloody back-breaking work. And I, and I imagine, yeah, yeah. you know, I imagine they won't be on six-figure salaries. Well, exactly, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they were expecting when it was an interview for fruit pickers, but um, I don't know what kind of fruit they expected to be picking and how they expected to be picking <laughs> Did it. Did they think it would be picking it from a supermarket shelf? Or <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe or picking, large, picking it on a fruit yeah. machine. <laughs> well, to be fair, they are being picky, aren't they, which is probably <laughs> the first step to being a good fruit picker. That is right, um, that is right. I also enjoyed Kellyanne Conway. Yes. She's good, isn't she? She's brilliant. She's the, she's the sort of counsellor to the president, to Donald Trump. Counsellor to the president, and she looks a bit like the woman from Terror Hawks, doesn't she? <laughs> that and was a great she, she has said that um, when they were talking about Trump stopping the funding to the WHO, uh, she, she explained this by saying, this is COVID-19, not COVID-1, folks. And you would think the people in charge of the World Health Organization would be on top of that. She actually <laughs> believes that this is the 19th outbreak of COVID, whereas we, I mean, we, we all, well, why is COVID-19 called COVID-19? Well, I don't know, to be honest, but I didn't presume it was the sequel to the sequel to the sequel. <laughs> well, it's because it was, it was because it was discovered in, in 2019. 2019. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good so, fact. But it's not, yes, it's not just the 19th time this has happened. I didn't think it was like, you know, coming this fall, yeah, COVID-19. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, there we go. So, yeah, a week of revelations. A week of revelations, absolutely, absolutely. What about Matt Hancock? How do you, he's had a big week, hasn't he? Well, there's the badge thing. The badge thing, yeah. Which I don't think went down very. I don't think went down very well. I did note though, and I was just looking at some on one of the picture wires. I was just looking at a picture of uh, Hat Mancock, and he, um, and, I, and I did notice he's got very well manicured nails. Has he? Well, he was. He was. He knew he was going to be pictured, didn't he? Thrusting that badge towards the camera. He so, did. Um, so maybe he had a bit of a. And if you know you had be, a bit of a buff. If you know you had a bit of a buff. <laughs> If you know you're going to be pictured thrusting, then you need to put your best self forward, I, I always find. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, he's been tetchy, hasn't he? He's had a bit of a snap at Nick Robinson. Will yeah. you let me finish? Oh, he sort of groaned, didn't he? Piers Morgan, he sort of told to shut up and let me answer the question. Um, it was it was quite can, brave of him to go say. on Good Morning Britain after um, what was what well, she called uh, the, <laughs> what was it Wally I can't remember her name now yes that was uh, that was a, a that a was savage, car crash it? car um, crash television wow yeah it was really why well, she sort of chose to to you know giggle politely I've got really well was, she's one she, of those people there was a there was a guy I knew at school who used to laugh at tragedy and it was just his way you know he did, when he was nervous he would laugh. And this, right, this okay. you know, a, a friend of a, you know, a friend in a group of a friend, we were a sort of group of friends, and one guy said, "Oh, did you?" This guy said, "Did you have a nice Christmas?" And he said, "No, my grand died on Christmas Day." And this guy burst out laughing, and he got, oh you know, God, he got a punch in the mouth, probably quite rightly. But he said, "I'm sorry, I don't mean anything bad by it. It's just when I'm nervous, I, I laugh." Maybe she's got the similar situation. 
Oh dear. I mean, it, well, that's a particularly unfortunate trait to have if you're a, a government minister. <laughs> it really is. What's she called? Helen Helen Waitley. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Hancock looks like, or Matt Han, what, Han Hancock or Matt Handjob is, yeah. is man with two nicknames. Yeah. Um, no brain, but two nicknames. One um, minister, two nicknames. Yes, exactly. Um, that's right, yeah. I mean, he looks like he is. Well, it was Matt Hancock that came out, wasn't it, and said, by the end of April, we are going to be testing 100,000 people a day. And on the 15th of April, we only carried out 16,000 tests. And that is quite a that is quite a lot. And maybe Matt Hancock's tetchiness relates to the, the fact that he knows I that think, he's... you know, he, 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 politicians really should learn from the failures of their predecessors and you know Theresa May and that target um forever was around her neck wasn't it getting the immigration target below um yeah in the tens of thousands yeah, yeah. and it, it, you've got to be really careful with these things and now it, there's some suggestion now that the te- there is the ability for more testing but the demand isn't there well what I mean that that makes well, no mean, sense to me you know that's absolutely <clears throat> crazy isn't it just roll it out um, what are they doing waiting for people to ask for it just get everyone tested Jesus Christ um, and, you know, his, his response to the um, the woman from the FT, Laura Hughes, saying, you know, what, we've, what you said that by now we'd be testing 25,000 people a day, but it's mid-April. And he said, well, and he said, we never said that. And, and it's, it's in... It's in a press release sent yeah. out by his department. Yeah. There is... Um, it has been... I, listen, I'm no... I, I I don't um, I don't mind Matt Hancock. I think there's worse ministers, but I think what this crisis is doing is laying uh, bare the ability of people who they you know they really are being tested. And the last week, yes. the last week, ten days for Matt since since uh, Boris Johnson has not been about have not been good. Um, you know he's been asked some difficult questions and he's he, he's not really had the answers. So you know. Um, it's not been a good week. It's not been a good week for Matt Hancock. No, it has not been a very good week for Matt Hancock. And, you know, I I mean, Matt Hancock is one of several people who is suggesting that the questions in the the, the daily briefing, the questions from journalists in the daily briefing are are biased or in, in some way designed to make the government look bad. And I think he, I think he, also said that he thought some some of those um, some of those questions were misreading the mood of the nation as well. Uh, I mean, you as, as part of as part of your day gig, you organised one of those. Yeah, we we did. We had a, the, yeah, the other and, the, day. and there'll be and there'll be more and there'll be more to come from um, from the regional press certainly. And I think there. there I'll address two points because because we got a lot of stick. The, the question that so this was by a, a reporter uh, Jessica Frank Keys, who's a yeah. reporter on the Eastern Daily Press. JFK, as she's known. JFK, as she's known. Reasons. Yeah, yeah. Jessica Frank Keys. Yeah. There you go. She. Um, the, the way the process works is, and because there, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory going doing the rounds, I think just because people are bored, but um, certainly on Twitter. Um, th- so the, you've got Hancock and the right wingers who are saying, "Oh, you're being biased," and then you've got other people saying, "Oh, these are just put up questions that are approved by government." So, firstly, let me dispel that mm. myth as nonsense. Um, the questions aren't briefed; 
to the government beforehand. Um, it, you know, a, a, a group of of us, of, of editors, sort of, you know, came up with a, a few ideas. Jessica obviously came up with her own ideas and we put a question to um, the minister. The minister obviously is a is a uh, is con- constituencies in this part of the world, so it gave him an opportunity to be nice to the regional press, which you know is no bad thing. But nonetheless, um, a lot of people said, "Oh, well, this is obviously a put up job. They've put you know they've put a regional reporter because it's absolute nonsense." Number ten actually um, aren't even uh, deciding who is put up. It took me a little while to figure that out because they didn't tell me. Um, it's actually being put together by the by the gallery chairman. Um, Pippa Crayer of the of the Mirror is an old friend of mine. So the questions are actually being who who is up is being decided by journalists themselves. Um, so it's not yeah. it's not there is no collusion, no conspiracy at all between the media and the government. So let's dispel that for starters. Secondly, um, addressing the point that the questions are bias. Um, well, when you're probing a government. You often ask, have to ask tough questions. You know, no journalist worth their salt would uh, go in front on national television and ask a question of a minister, which is, "You're doing a good job, aren't you? Would you like to comment on that?" Um, yes, that, exactly. You know, we would not be doing our job if that was the case. We're trying to get information out to the public um, in, in a time of national crisis. You know, so we have to ask difficult questions. Saying that we're not getting the mood of the nation right is utterly nonsensical because there are critical decisions being made not even on a daily basis or a weekly basis but on an hourly basis and the public needs to be aware of them the average chap on the street out for his you know hour of exercise a day doesn't have the opportunity to question the government um we do and that's what we're going to carry on doing so you know hat mancock can take a running jump frankly yes i mean it, it a lot of this Criticism was led by Robbie Gibb, who was Theresa May's old yeah. was it head of communications, yeah, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, and there was a sort of a, a, a there was a, a run of tweets, a, a thread. He said cheap political business as usual questions, uh, dem- uh, such as the one from Channel Four News demanding an apology from the Home Secretary, completely misjudged the public mood. Excitable questions about government U-turns, cabinet splits, and other. Gotcha techniques are jarring at best. Um, and then he's suggesting that this is one reason that a poll um, thinks that there is a collapse in public confidence in the media, a net 21% fall, which, you know, I mean, I've, I've, not, I've not seen the details of that poll, um, but it seems, it, it seems to me that in the way that our newspapers are being supported by the public, um, right from the new European right through to the, the ones that the company that we work for, Archer, does the regional ones. It seems to me that the media are, are um, you know, are, are in a huge position of trust. Do you think that we're on the way to a, a situation where we're... Are we going to start seeing press, Donald Trump-style press conferences? I can't see this current lot doing it, but maybe, and I can't see Boris Johnson telling people that they're phonies and fakes and but you know you might be able to see the next prime minister down the line do it i don't know i i I think that i i think that i think that coronavirus might do for donald trump i don't mean that in the gravest sense but i think that um uh, you know the the kind of behavior we're seeing maybe you know could have been could have been Struggled off a little bit previously, and we've been wrong on numerous occasions about Donald Trump. So you know, don't hold me to this. But 
Um, We've just been wrong on numerous occasions. <laughs> Almost always, I think. Actually. Almost always, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, but I, I honestly can't. I honestly can't see it getting that bad. I think, uh, you know, of all the of all the prime ministers, we thought maybe would be, uh, you know, of likely prime ministers who would be Trumpy and Boris Johnson was probably the one that we we feared the most. And I think there were probably some moves towards that early doors. I think the. I think the wind has gone out of those sails a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if uh, you know, the likes of Cummings are getting less and less traction with inside number ten. And I think, um, I, I hope that that this whole thing has been a bit of a wake up call for for politics and for politicians. And you know, maybe Boris and Boris Johnson is in is in checkers, um, hopefully recovering, of course, and having a little think about some of his behaviours not over the past six weeks, eight weeks or whatever, but over his career and thinking I'm in a great position now to to maybe do something a bit special, you know, rather than just wanting to be like Churchill. Mm. I'm not saying he's gonna be anywhere close to, to Churchill or even a even a you know, even a even a decent recent Prime Minister like Blair or even Major or anything like that. But but perhaps perhaps maybe he's just stopped and thought a little bit more, you know, about where we are and about our relationships with other countries, etc. I do hope so. Good. I'll Me tell you what, too. there's there's a good natural pause because yeah. I'd like to talk to you, Steve, about your attire. Okay. Well, what are you wearing at the moment? Because I am wearing an old band T-shirt and a pair of Nike shorts. Well, what, what band? So, so um, it is actually, it's a, um, it's a jazz T-shirt. It's for an album called Compulsion by a guy called Andrew Hill. Okay, very um, nice. which I think came out on the Blue Note label. Very nice. Well, I have a uh, a, a, a mustard and black pullover on, and I have a kappa t shirt underneath that. Well, that sounds like we both need a bit of work. And I've it? got nothing else on. We talked last week, of course, about my jogging bottom um, faux pas. Yeah. So perhaps we do need some help. And. I'm not a massive fan of clothes shopping, are you? Not really, no. Like, in the traditional sense, you know, wandering around the city. I prefer to do it on the line. Ah, well, if you've ever fancied never having to go clothes shopping again, Stitch Fix is for you. It's an online personal styling service. It's for men and women. You've got an expert stylist who picks clothes just for you based on your taste, size and price preference. So I would like smart, and you would like not so smart. Traditional Ooh. clothes shopping isn't an option for any of us, is it, right now? And not that I liked it much before, but we, we simply can't go out to, I mean, for you, maybe, I don't know, where would you shop? Probably Harrods or something. Um, I'm more of a sort of Burton man. Um, but Stitch Fix can help, um, and you can treat yourself without needing to leave the house. Um, the personal stylists work uh, safely from home and they're ready to select you five surprise items to hopefully put a smile on your face. And uh, goodness knows we all need that right now. It's easy and it's fun. You go to their website, you fill out a style profile um, about your clothing preferences. Uh, it's really simple to use. You pick a delivery date and then the stylist picks it up and hand selects the items that you uh, that, that the stylist believes would would suit you, preferred fit, price, all that kind of thing, um, and then they're sent to your home, uh, and you decide which to buy, and you simply send the ones you don't like back. 
Uh, there's a charge of just £10 for your stylist time, uh, which is redeemable against anything you decide to keep. Uh, so they, they've got hundreds of brands, uh, including well-known names and some more niche stuff as well. Um, and you don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. You can order a one-off delivery whenever you like. Uh, and, of course, your expert stylist gives you tips as well, so you're learning about fashion as you go. It's, uh, it's a cracking thing. So get started with Stitch Fix today and, of course, support our podcast by doing so. Go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash new right now. That's stitch, S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot uk forward slash new. Do it. Uh, yes, do it. Do, do it. it indeed. Do it. Get that band t-shirt off and those shorts as well. Who were? Well, I think I might wait for the delivery to come in before that happens, keep, keep, just keep so I don't off. shock my neighbours in my in my block of flat. Um, I want to ask you a series of searching questions, not about your attire. Oh. This week's quiz questions. Oh, here we go. Okay. And you Can play along at home. When are we going to be a new European podcast listener? When are we going to do the answers? We're going to do the answers after Brexiteer or just before? Or we can do the answers just before Brexiteer of the week. I think. Splendid. Okay. Sorry, I was just drinking. I'm very middle class and I was just having a drink. Can you guess what I was drinking? Uh, pop. Not really. Remember how achingly middle class I am, Steve. What would I have reached for then in a moment of having a dry throat? A dry throat? Ooh, um, ooh I don't know. Um, maybe some elderflower presse. Ooh, that or, is nice. I do like that. But... It is nice. Or a Purdy's, maybe? No, it's uh, San Pellegrino. A San Pellegrino. <laughs> Make you a bit gassy for, for podcasting, I would have thought, but let's no. let's see if there's ev- any evidence of windy pops towards the end of the podcast. I drink, it, oh, don't I drink so much San Pellegrino. If San Pellegrino would like to send me some free San Pellegrino, uh, they can. Which Do you like the lemon? Oh, I love well, it. Limon. I, I drink the... Um, so I drink about one or two litres of San Pellegrino a day. Um, do and, you? Yeah. And... Um, I, so I go for just the normal sparkling water usually, but if I'm going to treat myself, yes, I would go for the for the uh, lemon uh, in a can. But yeah, it's nice, n- in a, it's nice in a can. Maybe We're only for weekends. We're talking Pellegrino socialists. We are. <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, Ask me there's some no questions. questions about San Pellegrino, but in our quiz, sponsored by San Pellegrino, <laughs> uh, question one is, who supported their wife through a 23-hour labour by reading a 1,000-page biography of Lyndon Johnson. Okay. And your options are, was it A, Jacob Rees-Mogg? Was it B, Rory Stewart? Or C, was it Michael Gove? Who supported their wife through 23 (laughs) hours of labour? All he did was sit down and read a 1,000-page biography of Lyndon Johnson. Was he reading it out loud? He was not. He was reading it to himself. <laughs> was it Reese Mogg? Was it Stewart? Or was it Gove? Question two. Right. As a student, Nick <clears throat> Clegg drunkenly set fire to Germany's biggest collection of what? Was it A, orchids, B, cacti, right. or C, bonsai trees? Okay. Nick Clegg, as a student, drunkenly set fire to Germany's biggest collection of what? Orchids, cacti, bonsai trees. Question three. Which of these is not a genuine Reese Mogg child. Is it A, Dominic Wantage Montague Rufus? Is it B, 
Thomas Wentworth, Somerset, Dunstan, or is it C, Alfred Wolfric, Layson, Pius? Wolfric, what a brilliant name that is. It's good, isn't it? It's make you a, want to have more kids. Was Dominic Wantage, Montague, Rufus. B <laughs> is Thomas Wentworth, Somerset, Dunstan. And C is Alfred Wolfric, Layson, Pius. Fantastic. Question four. Michael Gove was once arrested for... Was it A, throwing his trainers over a power line? Was it B, throwing a traffic cone off a viaduct? Or was it C, throwing a kettle over a pub? Or was it D, the wanton destruction of the EU's relationship with the UK? Exactly. That was D. Uh, Michael Gove was arrested for throwing his trainers over a power line, or he was arrested for throwing a traffic cone off a viaduct, or he was arrested for throwing a kettle over a pub. (laughs) <laughs> and see, and, and question five. Yeah. When he appeared on a TV quiz in 1991, whose hobbies were described as real ale and real women? Was it A, Michael Gove? Was it B, <laughs> Boris Johnson? Or was it C, David Davis? Whose hobbies in a TV quiz in 1991 were described as real ale and real women? Michael Go, Boris Johnson, David Davis, and I will give you the answers in a little while. Ooh. Right, well, we should get back finally. We've got something to talk. We've, we've spoken about the Labour Party quite a lot over the past few weeks, and isn't it a joy to be able to speak about the Labour Party? Um, well, it, it's nice. Um, it's nice. I mean, there are two things to talk about the Labour Party this week. One is Keir Starmer's strategy of asking for a strategy, an exit strategy from the yeah. government, and then yeah. two is the is the um, report. The reports, yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, I mean, personally, I think the job of the opposition is to ask difficult questions of the government, and yes. it doesn't really, you know, I mean, if we were if we were in the middle of a land battle in the in a, a major war then perhaps that's not the right time to ask difficult questions of the government. But since since we're not, I think he's probably right to ask what what is our exit strategy, isn't it? It's, it's what millions of people are asking anyway. I absolutely agree, I think and and I don't think it's um I, I don't think <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think it, it it's I think it's been done in the right tone as well. I don't necessarily think it's um, aggressive. Um I don't think I think Keir Starmer has been um, has been clear that he will support the government when he, where he agrees with them, and he's done that. Um, uh, yeah, I th- and, I, and I think it's a really good question. You know, they, they will support this. Um, we're just as we record, we're we're a little bit um, before the press conference where we believe that the uh, there will be an extension to the lockdown, and uh, and and Sakia is not going to not going to oppose that. Quite rightly, I think, um, and. Uh, but yes, I, I, it makes perfect sense. You know, are we looking at getting schools back first? Are we looking at getting small shops back first? Are we looking at getting construction back first? What w- what is the exit strategy? Because there ne- there needs to be one. Um, because we can't just go back to normal straight away. Of course, and we're talking about perhaps even indefinite social distancing, distancing. Yeah, um, which is pretty scary stuff actually. Um, until there's a vaccine. Um, but yeah, we we need the. the <laughs> What I found going into this was that um, the anxieties of people and people we spoke to as journalists, etc., etc., were heightened by not knowing, by not having the possibilities there about what could happen. 
Um, and, and, and also a lot of people were just in denial. It's a very human thing. Um, I remember maybe 10 days before lockdown, um, having a, in fact, it was the last pint I think I had in a, in a pub before lockdown and, and chatting to a, a guy at the bar and he was saying, ah, it'll be fine, none of this is, you know, it's be, it'll blow over, it'll be done, we won't have to. And I think it, we, we need to almost give people the worst-case scenario. So, yes, Keir is absolutely right to be asking for an exit strategy. Um, I'm very supportive uh, of him doing it. And I think the sooner the government can 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 start to put you know some stuff out there rather than stuff seems to drip out via experts i know neil ferguson has been talking about yeah. this indefinite social distancing and that's good but really really we want it to come from a, from a minister don't we um because we want well, to know do, that it's yeah. what's been talked about in government um and you know i think i think yeah good good on there but good on Keir. i think he's had a pretty good start to be honest I really yeah, thought. I think, it, I, I thought yeah, I that think the, it's been all right. I thought that the video conference with the council leaders was a really smart move as well. Yeah, very good. Very good. I mean, I, I, I think that it's. I think the attacks on him for for asking for an exit strategy were a bit half-hearted, to be honest with you, because I think I think that even the Conservative MPs who who weighed in. Um, know that that's what people are doing and it and it seems i mean we're recording this on thursday as you say on thursday afternoon and and this morning i've I've read a report from two tory donors um saying you know we need to we need to start opening small shops and restaurants again and we need to get um and we need to get the estate agents open again so so while conservative um donors are talking about it well you know we've got we've got the, the government briefing about it there's a, there's a report in the sunday times either wednesday or thursday of, uh, sorry in the financial times either wednesday or thursday of this week which suggests that boris johnson wants to announce something um about easing lockdown restrictions either before or on the the the, the may the 8th bank holiday so he either wants to do it that before that bank holiday weekend mm. or he wants to do it then so so you know when they when people are briefing about you know exit strategies and when lots and lots of other people are talking i don't think it's unreasonable to see it i do think that they're probably waiting until boris johnson returns for him to outline what he thinks the exit strategy yeah, um, is, because I think what, they probably rightly think that his stock's very high at the moment. Yes, but why not? But, but, but why not say that then? You know, they don't have to say we're waiting for the boss to come back. But why not just say, listen, yeah. we, we the discussions about the exit strategy and thoughts about exit strategy, are of course, ongoing, and you yeah. know, and. Um, it is something that we really do want to encourage the Prime Minister to be a part of. You know, he's been very ill. Um, we think that maybe in seven, ten days or whatever, we can at least have some reasonable conversations with him about it. Everyone needs to be absolutely on board. We're taking... But as it is, it just seems to be... A, nah, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about the... So this, so this report, which is the... Well, what is the what is the what is the report? There's a lot of it, um, eight hundred plus pages, and it is a report into. But it's it, it's it's not a report into just into how Labour handled the anti-Semitism crisis, is it? it it's a, a report put together by Jeremy Corbyn's team or or people loyal to Jeremy Corbyn. In, obviously, in the last days of Jeremy Corbyn's. Um, 
rain, which yeah. is explaining why, you know, some things, some anti some things related to to anti-Semitism maybe weren't handled in the in the right way, and it is setting it. It, it paints a picture of a, um, a a rift between the the. the Sort of party staff and the leader of the opposition's office, Loto, which Jeremy Corbyn obviously—that's um, uh, his—that's his inner circle. It paints a picture of a rift between those two, um, and it basically says, you know, if anti-Semitism things were overlooked, and it, it sort of—it seems to indicate that you know Ken Ken Livingston, Jackie Walker cases particularly were sort of overlooked. But then it says, well, a lot of complaints were overlooked. A lot of complaints about. People being nasty about Jeremy Corbyn and Jeremy Corbyn's supporters were overlooked. And it, it appears to blame Ian McNichol, who's a former chairman, who's now stepped down from his Lord's position. Um, and then there are an awful lot of, um, of um, non-Corbynites who are uh, named and shamed. And an awful lot of WhatsApp messages, uh, which are particularly... I mean, they make for particularly grim reading, I think. Some of them are just juvenile, you know, calling people Corbynites nutters and calling Seamus Milner mentalist um, and calling somebody else a pube head. I mean, I don't really know what a pube head means. But some of it is, you know, people saying, other people hope they die in a fire and saying, you know, Corbyn deserves to be shot or, or, or whatever. I mean, some of that is really awful. What I am struggling with is where the actual evidence of sabotage is in this report. Yeah, what did exactly. you make of it? No, exactly. I, I agree completely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, WhatsApp messages between probably quite young people um, saying silly things, um, it, it made me think, well, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit like six to one after to the other, I'm sure. Because um, I'm sure there's a similar WhatsApp group somewhere saying similar things um, about um, about the other side. So I it's ex- really distasteful, though, isn't it? Some of it. I mean, oh, you yes, know, absolutely. With not much sympathy for Jeremy Corbyn, this did give me a great deal of sympathy with Jeremy Corbyn. No, I, I mean, absolutely, it's distasteful, and it's very um, more, um, moreover, it's very unprofessional, isn't it, to speak to yeah. your colleagues about anyone uh, in that in that manner? You know, the the. Um, the thing about Carrie Murphy is, was it face like a dartboard or something? You know, I mean, that, yeah, that's despicable. Um, and you know, I mean, the thing about the, you know, I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. Thing, I mean, that's a, a that is a phrase that is quite often used, isn't it? And I think I don't, I don't honestly think anyone really wanted to throw darts at anyone's face or indeed no. hope anyone died in a fire. But nonetheless, any of these people who are making these comments are clearly not fit to, to you know, to. And be involved in the in the higher echelons of a political party. Um, that said, I think it 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 it's just it's like playground stuff, you know. When when there is so many more pressing issues that the the Corbyn administration needed to deal with, um, if this is the best they can come up with, you know, I you know, and, and sabotage, ugh, I just I just don't buy it. The the reason that. Jeremy Corbyn isn't Prime Minister, is that he wasn't fit to be Prime Minister and and the public saw that. And sadly, the only other choice they had was Boris Johnson. Um, yeah. He's found out. Yeah. He was, I, I'm sure, you know, I've met Jeremy Corbyn. He's a perfectly nice man and he's a conviction politician and, as I say repeatedly, 
<clears throat> the right place for him is in the Labour Party. It's just not in the leader's office. You know that is the end. That is the end of the story, as far as I'm concerned. I can't yeah. see. I can't see that there's any obvious sabotage, and it just smacks of sour grapes that they're going. Oh, we didn't win because of you lot. Um, yeah, it's just you know, take your bat and ball home. We don't want to play anyway. I mean, Richard Bergen has said we would have won in 2017 <clears throat> without all the sabotage. I read Len McCluskey's piece in. Uh, on, I think it was on Labour list uh, earlier, which I don't have quotes from, but he sort of said, you know, of course, when Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader, there was a significant minority of people who belonged to the party and who worked for the party who didn't, who, who didn't agree with him. And, you know, of course, they were right to hold those views and they had as much right as anybody to, to keep working for the Labour Party. But you know, I mean, he, he, he didn't go as far and say we would have won in 2017, but he said he thought the result would have been um, even closer. But the but the evidence appears to be that in 2017, some people were, were planning for a... Well, they were planning to ask Jeremy Corbyn to step down and Tom Watson to take over. They were planning to change from one member to one vote back to an electoral college system. They they tried to ensure that Rebecca Long Bailey didn't get on a selection panel for choosing a, a candidate, <coughs> so that candidate wouldn't be a Corbynite. And they mm. and they said they they wanted to throw cash at Tom Watson's seat um, to, because they they perceived that it was he was under it was uh, under pressure, and you know, and, and so it proved a couple of years later. That, that doesn't sound like a great deal of sabotage to me. No. Maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. No, no. you know. You're not missing anything. Um, uh, anything else on Labour, Steve? No, I've got nothing else on Labour. I well, mean, should we talk bri- very briefly about the, the Brexit stuff? Well, we, we we should definitely do that. This being a Brexit podcast and all. Um, well, but first of do. all, first of Ooh. all, I wanted to talk to you about something a bit jollier, perhaps. Yes. Learning a language. Ah. How's it going? Because you're learning Spanish, aren't you? Well, I'm, I've got I've got to say that I, it, while people were enjoying their their bank holiday weekend, I did spend quite a lot of mine toiling. So my Spanish lessons have gone by the wayside. Uh, they've, they've taken a siesta. Uh, uh, oh, hey, but you know the ha- you know the word for a nap in the afternoon, so that's good. It, it's hasta luego to my um, <laughs> to my Spanish lessons for a little bit. Um, but because uh, I've got hasta I've luego, got, is that see you soon? I have no idea. Something I, like that. I've got I some think very it might good be. News. I think that was one of the things I learned. I've got some very good news from our friends at Babbel. Um, Babbel, if you haven't been listening recently to the New European Podcast, Steve has been learning Spanish using um, Babbel now. Um, it is great. What basically what it is is a uh, it's a it's an app that you and you you know you get to learn um, any number of languages or fourteen in fact there's fourteen different languages. It, it, it's a clear and simple interface. It guides you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. Is that right, Steve? Uh, yeah, it's really smooth. It's very very easy. Uh, there are lots of written examples. There is multiple choice. There is, you know, a bit of uh, listening and repeating as we all used to do at school. It's really, uh, it's really slickly done. 
Um, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the, uh, the lessons are sort of I 10, 15 minute, 10, 15 minute lessons, aren't they? And you sort of do, yeah, you're supposed to, to do one five a, now. Do one a day. And, and I think the thing that you mentioned previously was that it, it sort of teaches you real life conversations. So this is the sort of yes. stuff that you can learn and actually apply when we finally are allowed to visit uh, beautiful European countries again. Um, it uses Absolutely. speech. It uses speak, uh, speech recognition technology. Um, that helps you improve your uh, punctuation and your accent. Um, and, and the lessons are, are created by more than 100 language experts, and that's real people. This is not just a translation machine. You know, this is a lot more than, <laughs> than a translation machine. Um, as I said, you can speak, uh, you can choose to try and speak and learn to speak 14 different languages, Spanish, French, Italian, German, as you would expect. Um, the teaching method has been proven to be effective across multiple studies, and Babbel is available as an app, or online, and your progress is synced across all your devices. And here is the good news, ladies and gentlemen, because right now, Babbel is offering our listeners, you guys, six months free with a purchase of six months subscription using the promo code Europe. Um, so go to babbel.co.uk forward slash play, that's uh, P-L-A-Y, play, so babbel.co.uk play, and use the promo code Europe uh, and you will get um, uh, a free six months with a six-month subscription. So that's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk forward slash play, promo code Europe. And you love it, Steve, don't you? So go and check it out. Yep, check it out. Very much so. Let's talk Brexit. Well, um, it's quite something, isn't it, when Isabel Oakeshott, who is the... Uh, a Brexiteer journalist who is the girlfriend of Richard Tice, the chairman of the Brexit party, um, is tweeting, it is inevitable that the Brexit transition period will be extended. And as a Brexiteer, I'm cool with that. This catastrophe changes everything. We've got enough to deal with. Yeah. So she is saying that, and she is the voice of reason, because <laughs> Boris Johnson's spokesman, who... Uh, that's Boris Johnson's spokesman. Is Boris Johnson's spokesman Dominic Cummings? Or is Boris Johnson's spokesman well, somebody it else? A, it gets a bit complicated, actually. You're not, re- you're not really supposed to name uh, Boris Johnson's official spokesman because he's speaking for the Prime Minister. But there are, yes, okay. there are, there are two spokesmen... Um, who, who I certainly am aware have been quoted as the official spokesman in number 10, and I don't right, believe okay. that is Dominic Cummings, no. OK, so they have said the UK will never ask to extend the Brexit transition period, and if the UK asks to, we will say no. Yeah. Uh, and the thinking on this is that, well, it's basically a deal's either possible or not. I think that, you know, they don't really want a deal, do they? Um, and um, and so, and, and there's, there's a lot of talk about, well, could we be dragged into, um, you know, having to pay for some of the, the schemes that are funding other EU countries after coronavirus and buffet, and and, uh, and buffeting up the, um, the Eurozone? Um, but it just, I mean, to me, it just seems that they've, they've scheduled three... Um, Skype conversations between now and June. Uh, it seems to be that um, if by the, the one at the start of June no progress has been made, then um, something else will be decided. But, you know, before Boris Johnson was ill, he was sort of saying, well, if there's no progress by June, we'll just leave with no deal then. We might as well leave with no deal then. So 
the threat of a no deal Brexit is is becoming um, well, it's, get, it's getting pretty damn close, I would say. And we've got the the head of the IMF, Kristalina uh, Georgieva. Mm-hmm who is saying, you know, this is going to be tough as it is. She said, let's not make it any tougher than it needs to be. So well, quite. We've got the head of the IMF <laughs> saying extend. We've got Keir Starmer saying extend. We've got Isabel Oakeshott saying <laughs> extend. Um, I just wonder whether they want the, the EU to grovel and go and, and say, can we have an extension? And then they'll go, oh, all right. I, I, I think I think that probably is the case. I, I honestly, I honestly cannot, I, you know, I've been, I feel like I've spent, a lot of my time worrying about a no deal Brexit for, you know, for a number of years now. I think I'm less worried about it now than I have been for a while. I just can't see how any sensible um, government could could okay it. So I do think this is one upmanship by by number ten. I don't know why they would want to do that at this particular moment in time, um, but you know. It, this is this is this is a, a, a an administration. Let's not forget that as Dominic Cummings whispering in his ear. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we will just see whether it's posturing or or it is not posturing. Um, but um, but quite worrying that you know apparently David Frost, Dominic Raab, there was a big meeting at the start of last week to discuss whether we should even ask, talk about an extension and nobody uh, it said that nobody in the room uh, thought that an extension was a, was a goer in any way at all. You know, this, this weird mixture of British exceptionalism and ideology and, uh, and just the desire to, 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 to have got Brexit done in a, in a phrase. I mean, you know, as if we're not facing um, enough I don't even think that the sort of conspiracy theory of, well, we can, you know, the, the fallout for this, we can blame on coronavirus. I don't even think that's a goer. I, I just, I don't think they're even thinking about it that deeply. Um, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm quite worried about it. I'm glad that you're less worried about it. <laughs> I just feel like I've got enough to worry about, Steve, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, it's a concern. I just, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm putting too much stock into people who don't deserve it. I'm not sure. I'll tell you something that does deserve does deserve all our um, our, our attention is the print edition of the New European. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned earlier on that um, you know circulation is, is people people quite a lot of people uh, ask about the circulation of the print edition, how it's doing, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's um, and that's obviously true now as well. It's holding up really well. People are going out or, or subscribing um, to the print edition. It's really good. If you would like to join them, go to the neweuropean.co.uk. Uh, you can get if you're a new subscriber, you can get the next thirteen issues um, for three pounds each. Uh, sorry, for one pound each for thirteen pounds. Thirteen <laughs> issues. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a strange deal, Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's what you that's what you get in the shops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's thirteen issues for thirteen pounds. This Excellent. is why you do the reads and not me. <laughs> um, thirteen issues for thirteen pounds, that's a, that's obviously a saving of twenty six pounds on uh, on what you would pay in the shops. Um, and you don't have to wear a mask and socially distance as well. So go out and check it out. And within it this week, um, I've got a piece in it about how I once hired David Icke as a columnist, um, which um, <laughs> oh yes, you which is 
which <laughs> I, I, I did try. We can, we can talk about this at, at length uh, on a future podcast. Let's but, do um, that. But, Let's do that. But check it. But check it out this week. I did hire David Ike. Um, in my defence, I was—I don't think we knew as much about David Ike as we, it was twenty years ago. Yeah. I don't think we knew quite as much about David Ike as we as we we know about him now. Um, will you be hiring? Has, will the new European be hiring him and Holmes? Do you think? Uh, exactly. In twenty years, yeah. Um, uh, um, it has. I tell you what. This this I've had some feedback on this this article I've written about David Ike already. Oh yeah, um, and it is from a friend of mine who said that he was once interviewing. Do you know? Do you remember Michael Knighton? Yes, I do. Michael, Michael, Michael Knighton, Knighton who was, t- tried to buy Manchester United. He bought Manchester United. <clears throat> he tried to buy Manchester United. He didn't have enough Failed. money. He bought Carlisle United. Yeah. He was a businessman. Oh, come down. And he um, he also claimed to have seen a UFO. And um, my, one of my friends, Bill. Um, uh, Bill Borrows, um, who uh, who some people will know, is a fine writer. He used to write for the uh, he used to write for the Daily Mirror. He used to write for Loaded and various other uh, things. And Bill Borrows once did an interview with Michael Knight, and um, he was telling me earlier on, and he said um, David Icke's name came up, and Michael Knight and said, "Well, yeah, David has gone off the deep end a bit, but the one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is introducing me to cream eggs." <laughs> <laughs> well, credit where credit's due. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> Michael Knight, and I will never forget him doing kick-ups at the Stratford he End. He did keepy-ups at yeah. the Stratford End, yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, if he'd bought Manchester United, he would have been a multi-multi-millionaire, wouldn't he? Because, um, because you know, shortly thereafter, that you know, the... the, the, the well, I think, I think that was probably the start of the 80... Eight season, eighty-eight, eighty-nine, maybe was it? And around um, then, and then and shortly thereafter, he sh- started selling his shares off, didn't he, Martin Edwards? <clears throat> That's right. You know, and he I sold think, to um, Rupert Murdoch. And I think that a lot. I think that Knighton had to raise thirty-six point five million pounds. Oh really? To God. buy Manchester United? Can you imagine? I mean, that's where now just you'll get a, you'll get a fullback that doesn't even make the starting eleven that's worth more than what Michael Knighton no. was going to pay for Manchester United in That is amazing. There we go. Well, I'm sure it doesn't keep him up at night. I, well, I mean, did he do? I think he, he probably did all right, didn't he? I think he did. I think he did quite well, didn't he? Yeah. And of course, you know, he's got his cream eggs to fall back yeah, on. He's got his cream eggs. So, to what fall about back these on. quiz questions then? Well, we got, well, shall we have a little break first, and then oh, we, we can, can come break. back to the quiz questions, and then wrap up this. Um, get get another new European podcast in the books by crowning a Brexiteer of the Week. We'll be back shortly. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. First, we need some quiz question answers, please, because I'm, I'm on the edge of my breakfast bar stool. Ooh. So question one was, who supported their wife through a 23-hour labour, 23-hour labour, by the way, by reading... A one thousand page biography of Lyndon Johnson. And the options were <coughs> Jacob Rees Mogg, Rory Stewart, Michael Gove, and of course it was Glory for Rory. No, it was oh, Michael Gove. Was it really? Michael Gove. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I've been doing quite well. Sarah at these Vine, things. obviously. I mean I don't like Sarah Vine, but I, I, you wouldn't wish a twenty three hour labour on anybody. Um, that's or, quite a big, or indeed Michael Gove on anybody. It's quite a big book. For um, yeah, for a man of Michael Gove's stature to be holding for that long, 
It was. As a student, Nick Clegg drunkenly set fire to Germany's biggest collection of what? Was it orchids, cacti, or bonsai trees? I don't know this either. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say I think it's quite hard to set fire to an orchid or indeed a cacti. So I'm going to go bonsai tree. Well, it is cacti. <sighs> And it happened when Nick Clegg was 15, and they went, he was at Westminster College, I think it's called. Um, it's called Westminster College, isn't it? But it's actually West- a school. Westminster School for Boys. Uh, and uh, they went on a school trip to Germany, and they were billeted with a, um, a, a sort of a German diplomat who happened to have a, a collection of extremely rare cacti. And strong drink was taken, and him and another... Another schoolboy, and the schoolboy's name, the other schoolboy's name was Tom Brown. I think it's Tom Brown's, Tom Brown's school days. They, they decided it would be a good idea to go into this greenhouse, which, which had all these, these rare cacti. And then they with a lighter, Nick Clegg singed the little hairs on the cacti. And apparently that is, that is known as the cacti's beard. Um, and right. um, it's known as the beards of the. So he singed he he, he singed the, the beards of as many as fifteen cacti um, before he was caught, and he was punished by missing out on a cycling trip to Nuremberg. So um, there you go. Uh, well, which of these three indeed. is not a genuine? Sorry, go on. There you go, indeed. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which of these three is not a genuine Reese Mogg child? Dominic Wantage Montagus, Montague Rufus. Yeah. Thomas Wentworth Somerset Dunstan. Yeah. Alfred Wolfric Layson Pius. Uh, it's B, Thomas Wentworth Somerset Dunstan. It's not. It's <sighs> Dominic Wantage Montague Rufus. Oh, man. And i tell you something. When I... When I wrote this question, I thought I will make up a name first about... Uh, I'll make up the name first, and I'll make it as... And then I'll put the other two real names in. And the, the, the fake name that I, that I put in was Dominic Wantage Somerset Rufus. Right. Because I thought, who, what idiot would call his son Somerset? But obviously that's where he lives, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And and then I found... I looked down the list, and he has called... One of his uh, sons, uh, Thomas, went with Somerset Dunstan. Has obviously got Somerset in his name. So Wolfric um, is an extraordinary name. I love Alfred that. Wolfric Layson Pius. That's brilliant. It's, you're not going to get many of them in the register, are you? <laughs> you're not. <laughs> uh, Michael Gove was once arrested for quite Gove based this week. Michael Gove yeah. was once arrested for a throwing his trainers over a power line, b throwing a traffic cone off a viaduct. And C, throwing a kettle over a pub. I believe it was B. It is B. He threw a traffic cone off a viaduct. Uh, and um, uh, um, And had the, the misfortune to do so, apparently, according to the, the, the bloke who he'd just come out of the pub with. He sort of picked up a, a traffic cone on, uh, on a, a, a viaduct. Um, uh, I think it's, it was near Holborn. Um, and... Um, threw it off and um, the, the bloke who was telling this story basically said that seconds later a, a police van which had obviously been watching all of this just stopped and put Michael Gove in the back and the, the other bloke was allowed to carry on his, his way. Um, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. When he, yeah, uh, what's going on here, sir? 
throwing a chest the traffic car off a viaduct. Um, when he appeared on a TV quiz in 1991, whose hobbies were described as real ale and real women? And it is, uh, the options were Michael Gove, again, Boris Johnson, and David Davis. Well, I mean, I I initially thought that this would be Gove because he had a little bit of a, a TV career, didn't he? He had a bit of a stint of doing TV and um, reporting yes. and stuff like that as a younger man. But now I'm wondering whether David Davis did something stupid. Like, what was that show that Tony What's-His-Face used to do on BBC Two with... Uh, with um, um, oh, God, I'm not good at names today, am I? Um, you know, uh, was it like a pop quiz thing? Remember that on BBC Two at, at like, 6 o'clock in the evening? It had... Um, it had... Uh, um, well, oh, pop quiz? Yeah, was that it what might it was? read. No, 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 no. Oh, I can't remember his blinky name now. Tony... You know Tony from Factory Records, Tony. Tony Wilson. Oh, I see. Remote Control. Remote Control. That's yeah, it. I'm that... not sure he would have had David Davis on it though. No, the I don't, answer actually I don't think is that... Michael Gove. It is Michael Gove. Oh. It's, it, there were three answers this week that were all Michael Gove related, <laughs> and it Michael Gove. Did you find Michael Gove's is... wiki page? <laughs> and it was a. I think it was a sort of an alternative university challenge type thing. And you can actually see this on YouTube, and it says, um, and it says, and now we have Michael Gove, and his hobbies are real ale and real women, oh, and uh, and hilarious. he gives a little, he gives a little, I think he gives a little thumbs up or a little some some sort of little sign uh, to, to to feel that the, to to say that the the joke is a good one. Um, so um, so yeah, there you go. We'll have more quiz questions next week. Well, that is. Absolutely fascinating. I don't know how we'd be getting through the coronavirus, Steve, without your little quizzes every week. Good, good. Right, it's time to crown uh, a Brexit of the week. It is time to crown a Brexit of the week. Finally. Shall we start with, let's start with Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage. Uh, he is furious. Oh. He's furious, Nigel Farage, and he said he's, he's thinking about, you know, he said he'd retired again. He says he's, he's thinking about coming out of retirement and leading another campaign. And do you know what it is? Oh, tell it's me, the right tell. of Nigel Farage, only Nigel Farage, to be able to go fishing during lockdown. Uh, here's uh, his column in The, the Telegraph. Um, I thought I'd take advantage of the lovely settled weather over the Easter weekend by heading down to the coast to go fishing for a place or two. That's a great idea, Nigel, but you're not allowed to do it. You know you're not allowed to do it. Fishing is an exercise, and you're not allowed to drive down to the coast if you don't live there. Mm. Uh, not only were the conditions ideal, but the beach I intended to visit is isolated. That's not the point. Fishing has been deemed to not to be exercise, um, and you're not allowed to do it. Uh, uh, a quick telephone call to a friend in the area revealed the unmarked track that I wished to drive down had been sealed off by the police with a big sign erected reading, No Fishing. Uh, I have learned that the police and army are conducting sweeps across the south coast beaches to prevent anyone from going to them. I find this deeply ironic. There is still one easy access route to southern England's coastline. Can you guess what his easy access route (laughs) to southern England's coastline is going to be? He said it's by travelling illegally from Calais in a small dinghy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's not even, you know, uh, uh, he's not, not going to let that um, stop him getting a dig in. Um, it's, it's 
worth remembering, by the way, that Nigel Farage cares so much about fishing that when he was on the EU Parliament's fishing committee, he, there were, I think there were 46 meetings when he was a member and he turned up once. Yeah, but the, um, uh, well, I, in his defence, those yeah. meetings were always, they always started at like six, quarter past six. Well, that's right. And, yeah. what, is and any, had, what is any trusty fisherman doing on a night? Well, fishing on a night. There you go. <laughs> yes, that's right, as we know. Um, Who's next? Who's next? It must be quite bizarre, mustn't it, for a fish to be plucked <laughs> out of the sea by Nigel Farage, and then the last thing you see is somebody with a face quite like your own. That's it's quite haunting. <laughs> it is. Incredible. Are you my father? You know, that fish is, could think his life was passing uh, in front of his fishy eyes. Um, we, somebody... somebody um, Somebody uh, told me last week that we'd, we'd forgotten to read out Anne Widdicombe's column um, in last oh. week's Breakfast Series <laughs> of the, the Week. Alack! Um, Alack! Um, so I've got two for you. This is uh, this is pure Anne-ness. Uh, this is from last week. A reader writes to me with an intriguing question. He points out that in the war, every civilian in this country, man, woman and child, was issued with a gas mask. So he asks, why not do the same in the present emergency? It would certainly put us off touching our faces. Well, that's great, isn't it? Why don't we all just sit indoors with a gas mask on? <laughs> is, she, is she all there? And then there's been some criticism of Piers Morgan, apparently. He is having a good a good war, isn't he? Piers Morgan um, is having a great war, yeah. But he, 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 he's... I mean, I, I was thinking about... I was, I was, when I was out for a walk, I was thinking about Piers Morgan. And... Obviously, people don't like Piers Morgan, but I tell you what, he's bloody good at what he does. He And he hasn't been bloody good at what he does for a long time now, whether it be a tabloid yeah. newspaper editor or this sort of shock jock, um, not quite yeah. shock, but you know what I mean, this sort of uh, person who, who you know, scandalises us all um, and, and can go on any side of the argument. You know, he can go very right-wing on some things and then... And then, you know, completely the other way on other things. It seems he's just he, you know, and and but pe- people love it. It's great TV. Yeah. So there you go. Apparently, I mi- and I miss this. He has been criticised or censured for mocking the Chinese language in some way. I think he did an ill-advised Chinese accent That's about uh, it, yeah. on on Good Morning Britain a while ago, and of course, uh, of course. Um, Anne has got a, a story for this, which is deliciously politically incorrect. Gosh, um, yes. Apologies uh, in advance if you're offended. Don't do uh, an accent. Do not do. I myself have mocked the Chinese language, writes Anne. I was out in Singapore uh, and uh, visiting the family of my old Amar. I don't know what an old Amar is. Is that mm. an old... I was out in Singapore visiting the family of my old Amar when some of its members tried to teach me the rudiments of Mandarin. You read these things, don't you? And you, I feel my whole body clenching. It was quite hopeless, and I gave up, saying it was a balmy language and exaggerating the four tones which give the same word different meat meaning. Anyway, I concluded, if I simply say Ching Chong and R, I'm bound to be right most of the time. Oh. The family were convulsed with laughter. Offended. They were no more bothered than I would have been if they'd mocked the English language. Nay, they used Ching Chong R thereafter as a trope for speaking Chinese. I'm sure they were unoffended at. Um, <laughs> I mean, where to even begin? 
<laughs> but the Brexiteer of the week, of course, you know, we I think last week we were saying, where is Pretty Patel? Where is Pretty Patel, weren't we? You know, they're not they're keeping her locked up somewhere. Then, over the Easter weekend, out she came. And uh, when they let her out... <laughs> like a little Easter out. egg. Exactly. She was Coronavirus the Easter, she was the Easter, the Easter pretty. <laughs> Easter um, pretty. Did she have bunny ears on? That's fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, even Caligula's horse might think that Pretty Patel has been over-promoted. And, and when she appeared at that, that briefing, it, it was, I mean, she is incredibly over-promoted. All she had to do was read out a number and yeah. she said, uh, "This, I've got, a li- I've got the number here of these many people that we've, we've these many tests that we've, we've carried out." She said, "It's three hundred thousand thirty-four nine hundred and seventy-four thousand." And just before that, it's not a number that pretty, is it? Three hundred thousand thirty-four nine hundred and seventy-four thousand. And just before that, she'd said, "I've been in the Home Office working virtually every single." They said, "Where have you been?" She said, I've been in the Home Office working virtually every single day, seven days a week, three days a week in the Home Office, actually. Seven days a week, three days a week. It's incredible. Anyway, Brendan O'Neill, the right-wing pundit, is now claiming that criticism of this disaster is, well, he said it was, I'm quoting him, he said it was crossing the line into something like racism, um, which I think is ridiculous. But it's amazing that to do this, he coined the term Patel bashing, and that, with its witless nudge-nudging to the 1970s and awful yeah. things that happened then, really does seem suspiciously to me like crossing the line into something like racism. So he's an idiot, and Pretty Patel is the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Pretty. Um, I, you don't return my calls anymore. I don't know why you obviously have been listening no. to Radio 4. Um, well, what should the listener do right now, Steve? Please leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, please go to the neweuropean.co.uk and subscribe uh, or check us out at the newsstand. But if you do subscribe at the neweuropean.co.uk, you get the next 13 issues if you're a new subscriber for 13 quid. Um, you can follow us on, on um, you can like us on Facebook, you can join our New European Facebook readers group. Um, and then on Twitter, you can follow the New European at the New European. You can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do log on to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a sparkling review. We may even read some of the best ones out next week. Also, get hold of a copy of the printed product. The New European is out now. If you can't get along to your newsagents, log on to the website and see the best ways of subscribing. There is a fantastic offer on at the moment. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe. Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.